Okay, quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. Obvious. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce cost and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessed from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. And you're improving efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. Backed by popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash strange. netsuite.com slash strange. netsuite.com slash strange. I'm Laura Norton, and this is One Strange Thing, the show where we search the nation's news archives for stories that can't quite be explained. Well, strangers, TGIO, thank goodness it's October. Not to be overly dramatic, but we've been waiting... Let's see. Yep, precisely 11 months for this, and we're going to take full advantage. Now, we usually like to space out our creature features just a little bit. Humans, after all, can be just as strange as beasts and aliens and blobs, but we feel that it would be remiss to let the spookiest month of the year pass by without at least one cryptid in the mix. And this little fella is one of our favorites. It's singular amongst its brethren for a number of reasons. It appeared only once, for about 24 hours or so, and was sighted on three separate occasions in that time. A thorough investigation into those sightings by police and a team of cryptozoologists, Fordian specialists, and UFOologists occurred before the media ever caught wind of the creature. Because it just so happened that one of the world's leading experts in the unexplained, Lauren Coleman, was living just a few miles away from the small town where the sightings occurred, and overheard the locals talking about it. We just can't pass up that kind of synchronicity. So let's take a little trip to New England to Massachusetts, to be precise, to Dover, where, in 1977, things were a little... What was the teenage parlance back then? Trippy. Now, Dover is a very nice town, and not generally the kind of place you'd expect an outlandish, mysterious beast to hang out. We'd love to tell you exactly where on the map of Massachusetts it sits, but have you looked at a map of Massachusetts lately? What shape is that state supposed to be? Dover is somewhere between the rectangle and the 
dangly bits that look like they're going to fall into the ocean. Is that Central South? We can't tell. Our sincere apologies to Massachusetts, and most importantly, our 1,300 listeners there. You are a fine state, better than average even, but you've got to get yourselves together from a purely aesthetic angle. And please, don't tell Boston we said anything. We are frightened of Boston. Whew. Anyway, Dover was and is a lovely place. It's downright scenic, especially in the winter when the snow is falling just so. The school system is excellent, and the historical society stays busy with plenty of events. But none of that is what the town is most famous for. Not at least since a 17-year-old high school student named Bill Bartlett took a fateful evening cruise. Bill was with two of his friends in his Volkswagen when he decided to head down Dover's inventively named Farm Street one night in late spring of 1977. Since that time, the word most associated with this picturesque Massachusetts town? Demon. As in, the Dover Demon, a name coined by Lauren Coleman, that local cryptozoologist and paranormal researcher who would eventually investigate the story. Per the Boston Globe, Bill Bartlett would have a singular experience, largely because the two friends he was cruising with would not share his frightening encounter. Though they were all in the same car, only Bill would see this thing and have his name, for better or for worse, linked forever with the legend of the Dover Demon. So, Bill's night took a turn for the, well, strange, surely, and terrifying, depending on your opinion of what came next, at about 10.30 p.m. on April 21st, 1977. We don't know precisely what the boys had been up to, but it wasn't anything especially salacious. Bill Bartlett, who the local police chief characterized as a reliable kid to the Boston Globe, he was even a member of the local amateur art guild, which, well, that is pretty wholesome. Anyway, he and his friends hadn't had any alcohol that night, although he would tell a reporter years later that we were probably looking for it. Now, Bill did admit that he'd had a few puffs of what we, as a family podcast, will call a funny cigarette, but he said that it had no effect on his senses. And in any case, he insisted, that had been much earlier in the evening. Either way, we imagine Bill was jolted into total sobriety when, as his Volkswagen trundled down Farm Street, the lights flashed across a thing crouched at a stone wall. And what sort of thing, you ask? Well, start by imagining a pale, Gumby-like thing crouched dramatically on a rock and, we imagine, silhouetted with some level of moonlight. A thing with impossibly long fingers, almost like those bendy drinking straws if you need a visceral and kind of unhelpful image, that clung to the rock. It had, quote, lidless eyes like two orange marbles that locked onto Bill's car. And according to the Associated Press, the creature was still, almost frozen atop the wall, 
save for turning its oversized head to stare right back at Bill. According to the North Adams transcript, Bill said, I thought it was a dog, but when it looked back at me with bright orange eyes, I knew it wasn't a dog. We're with you, Bill. Definitely not a dog. Bill Bartlett gave his original media interview to a small independent weekly, The Real Paper, which is now defunct. Its only microfilm is held in a single archive that's not particularly accessible to us. Luckily, though, there's a very thorough report written by paranormal investigator Walter Webb and included in Lauren Coleman's book, Mysterious America, that cites some of Bill's original quotes from those articles. These include his decidedly not-dog-like description of the creature when it was fresh in his mind. He described the thing as skinny, not precisely bony, but slender and spindly, long-limbed with outsized hands and feet, like it hadn't quite grown into them. He said, like, a baby's body with long arms and legs. The monster was totally bald and seemed a little worse for wear, Dirty, maybe, but its skin color and texture could still be made out. Bill described it as rough like wet sandpaper and kind of artificial pinkish tan, like Fred Flintstone in the Sunday comics. Based on Bill's description, it looks sort of like a monkey. If that monkey was about four feet tall and completely bald, with an oblong head, lantern-like orange eyes with no eyelids, and no discernible nose or mouth. So basically, the world's absolute worst monkey. Though neither of Bill's passengers saw the creature, both believed him. One of them, Mike Dowd, told the Boston Globe 17 years after the event, I believe it exists. My friends were very honest. They didn't make things up. He said he still, to that day, kept an eye out for the Dover Demon. Reports vary, but at least one newspaper, the North Adams Transcript, claims Bill, the amateur artist, started his sketch of the Dover Demon on the ride home. As he was the one driving the Volkswagen, we imagine this was an exciting experience for his passengers, but we do know for sure that he completed his picture sometime that evening. According to the Boston Globe, he finished it with a statement written at the bottom with authority. I, Bill Bartlett, swear on a stack of Bibles that I saw this creature. And all of that would have been plenty of excitement for one night. But it seems the creature wasn't finished. Because, per the Boston Globe, another reported sighting would come only a few hours later. Per Mysterious America, a little over a mile away from where Bill Baxter had flashed his lights on our fleshy, orange-eyed monkey friend, a 15-year-old named John Baxter was walking home after visiting his girlfriend. John Baxter told Lauren Coleman and other investigators that he was hoping to hitch a ride home from a friendly passerby so he wouldn't have to make the entire journey on foot. We'll pause here to let our younger listeners know that this is a terrible idea. Do not do that. However, John didn't have a friendly podcast to tell him this. So as he was walking idly, waiting for a ride, he noticed a shape in the distance. He told Lauren Coleman that at first he thought this shape, about the size of a child, might be someone he knew. He called out a greeting, but there was no answer. 
Per the AP, John Baxter got about 15 feet away from the shape before it halted. This area was rural. A creek and a thick forest surrounded him. And at that moment, John probably realized just how alone he was. Would John have gotten any closer? It's hard to say. He never got to make that call because the figure suddenly bolted and headed off down toward the creek. John followed, then gazed down the hill into the better light at the thing. John told AP reporters he was standing two feet on a rock. His feet were molded around a rock and he was leaning on a tree. It looked like a monkey with a figure eight head. After taking in this sight, John, who apparently was a smarter 15-year-old than we gave him credit for earlier, quote, backed away and returned home. It's not detailed in the AP reporting, but John explained to Coleman and the paranormal researchers that he did eventually manage to hitch a ride with a friendly couple, which again was an awful idea, and made it home to tell his parents about his experience. And they believed him. John Baxter's mother told the real paper that John never made up stories. John, too, drew a sketch of the Dover Demon. His creature was drawn as Black Shadow, clinging to a tree, and though he was not an official member of any amateur art guild, John also got the job done, and his picture was quite similar to Bill's. John didn't see Bill's picture that night, of course, and he wouldn't, not for days. According to Lauren Coleman, Bill and John didn't connect until April 26, when John, having heard about Bill's encounter, sought him out. That's when they showed each other their sketches, and it's safe to say they were impressed by the similarity. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The final sighting of the Dover Demon would come the next night. Teenage couple Abby Brabham and Will Tainter were driving just outside Dover when, you guessed it, they saw something strange. Will would consistently claim that he didn't get a good look at what flashed in his headlights, but per Mysterious America, he was pretty dang sure it wasn't a dog. Abby, though she was more certain. She told the AP that, quote, she spotted a creature sitting upright alongside the road 
and her description was very similar to Bill and John's. There was one major difference, though. Abby insisted the creature had glowing green eyes and not orange. And according to Lauren Coleman's later interviews, Abby remained absolutely certain of the color. The police, made aware of the sightings by all three teens, interviewed them. And in what was an unusual move, they took them seriously. Per the AP, local police were especially impressed by Bill Bartlett, even as they suspected a hoax. The local chief, Carl Sheridan, told reporters that Bill was an outstanding artist and reliable witness. If there was a trick being played, law enforcement didn't blame the four witnesses, but there was no hard evidence of such a prank, and no one came forward to claim responsibility. According to the Associated Press, police said that the media was not aware of the Dover Demon sightings until the second week of May, and that was well after paranormal investigator Lauren Coleman had discovered the story. In his book, Mysterious America, he described seeing a copy of Bill Bartlett's sketch in a local Dover shop less than a week after Bartlett saw the creature. By the way, don't ask us how a local shop owner managed to get her hands on a copy because we have no clue. This, of course, piqued Lauren Coleman's interest and he began tooling around town, speaking to folks and gathering intel. Within two weeks, he'd involved three other serious researchers of the unexplainable, including the aforementioned and extremely serious Walter Webb. Walter Webb has a lot of, for lack of a better term, paranormal street cred. Being a serious scientist, UFOologist, and, per Coleman, quote, the first researcher to hear about and examine the details of the Barney and Betty Hill UFO abduction case. No doubt one Strange Thing listeners will recognize that as the most famous alleged alien abduction of all time. This team was thorough. They gathered weather reports and measurements, conducted exhaustive interviews, and combed through each sighting's details. The police were out searching, too, with all the information the teens had given them. In fact, some of the descriptions were quite, um, vivid. Per the Santa Clarita signal, quote, one witness said the creature looks like an embryo that kind of grew up. That's a description that is tragically not specifically attributed to Bill, Abby, Will, or John, but we hope that it painted a visual image for the searchers, because it sure did for us. Honestly, we don't know how long the Dover police looked into this whole affair, even in 1977. After all, they had the stories of four teenagers who, to the police's credit, they seemed to take seriously, but not much else. Per Lauren Coleman's book, law enforcement did make a good-faith effort to search the woods. But outside of finding an errant flying saucer or an empty pulsing refrigerator-sized cocoon, or some mysterious glowing orange demon droppings scattered along Farm Street, what could they really find? Per the Boston Globe, the local police eventually hung up a watercolor version of Bill Bartlett's sketch in the station, and after that, well, pretty much called it a day. Now, just because the Dover police were finished, that doesn't mean the rest of the world was. By now, the story had gotten around, 
and plenty of people have theories. From the locals of Dover, to paranormal enthusiasts, to everyday folks needing a little distraction. Aliens, or one alien anyway, were a popular answer. After all, that funny little creature seemed to appear out of nowhere, sort of like he'd beamed down, right? And then poof, it was gone. And the Dover Demon's, um, look, does sound a lot like the description of the extraterrestrials known as Greys, those little guys who appeared in Close Encounters of the Third Kind, a movie which, by the way, came out just seven months after the Dover Demon was spotted in Massachusetts. And what about other theories? Oh, there's been plenty. They've ranged from various fairy creatures, to a ghost, to even a really unfortunate-looking and landlocked mermaid. One of the most mysterious complexities in developing a strong theory here is that the Dover Demon has not been keen on reappearances. It is hard to build a mythos when your cryptid is impolite and doesn't leave footprints and make strange noises around town. And skeptics have long dismissed the paltry three sightings, either as an out-and-out hoax or simply a kind of mini-mass hysteria. The former camp are much in the vein of John Horrigan, a professional skeptic who, per the Boston Globe, claimed in a speech that the sightings were taken seriously, more or less, at the time. But later investigation revealed that the young people who claimed they'd seen the thing were all friends. Now, that's not quite the case. It's true that Bill and Will were friends, and Will and Abby were dating, but that was known to all, and their sighting was concurrent. According to the interviews conducted by Lauren Coleman and his team, John didn't find out about Bill's sightings until days after April 21st, when he tracked him down to compare drawings. And we can suppose that Will had mentioned the Dover Demon to Abby. Could that have affected their sighting? Perhaps. But it doesn't explain away the other two. Now, for the second skeptic camp. Per Mysterious America, the latter camp think that all four teens saw an everyday, if odd, animal, and that they mistook it for something alien, and that the stories of others encouraged each to make their own wilder and more extreme. And what creature might they have seen, you ask? Well, many skeptics believe that they saw a knobby-kneed yearling moose. That's right, a big ol' baby moose, looking like a shaved and bulging-eyed monkey, lost in the wilds of Dover, Massachusetts. The moose theory has spread far and wide, so much so that it pops into nearly every discussion of the Dover demon. In fact, its originator, a paranormal researcher from Illinois named Martin Kottmeyer, seems to have cemented his concepts in an anthology called Mysterious Monsters. Now, this book is currently out of print, but widely referenced, and it seems he made a compelling argument that not only was the Dover Demon a moose, but a baby moose. Or, well, a toddler moose, if you're being specific. He thinks a moose's bizarre looks could confuse anyone at nighttime, bulging eyes, really weird legs, 
and a young enough moose wouldn't have a lot of antler action going on. According to Mary Schultes, the Dover demon, Martin Kottmeyer's theory chalks up the demon's bizarrely large head to a trick of the eye. That is, the eye seeing a moose's head where the nose and mouth are at the low end of the muzzle and mistaking the whole affair for a face with no features at all. He also thought that the skinny, awkward limbs could be chalked up to a yearling's awkward adolescent state. And to be honest, people love this theory. It explains things pretty neatly. Why not a weird, kind of pink, off-putting moose? Even its eyes might be explained if they caught the headlights, and the reflection might even explain a variation in colors. It would all work out very nicely and wrap up the tale of the Dover Demon. Except for one strange thing. Remember our good friend, Lauren Coleman, the first expert on the scene? If you'll recall, he lived nearby at the time the Dover Demon was spotted. And Mr. Coleman was not taken with the moose theory. In fact, in his second edition of Mysterious America, he called it, quote, unfortunate, which is, in academic terms, a very sick burn. And he took Martin Kottmeyer, its originator, to task. He blamed the man for spreading the idea so widely that it's reported along with the Dover Demon story as if it is a foregone conclusion. Lauren Coleman wrote the following, quote, Midwestern farmer Martin Kottmeyer may know cows, but his moose zoology and ecology is simply off base. Kottmeyer wrote that the Dover demon faintly reminded him of a moose. The small size and absence of horns would mean that it had to be quite young, perhaps a yearling recently weaned in advance of the mother giving an April birth. First of all, moose have antlers, not horns. Coleman then points out that moose are born in early summer, not April, and that they are diurnal, not nocturnal animals. But is Lauren Coleman done? Oh no. He also offers the following facts. First, a yearling moose is big, much bigger than the Dover Demon, Imagine an uncoordinated high school junior varsity basketball player double his weight, make him kind of hunched over, and you'll get an idea. But Coleman's grand finale, his big, let's say, middle finger, to the whole affair? Well, according to Coleman's extensive research, and it was extensive, only two moose were recorded in the entire state of Massachusetts in 1977 and 1978. He points out, however, that the state is absolutely teeming with horses, and a foal would have been a much better substitution in Kottmeyer's argument. But of course, Lauren Coleman and his research partner Walter Webb had already thought of that. Per Coleman's accounting, their 40 and A team had tracked down every lead in the county and hadn't heard a word about missing foals. And, per Coleman, no one, including police, had found, quote, evidence of animal remains, tracks, or afterbirth. How thorough and gross. 
So the demon moose theory, or possible horse, is not as strong a contender as many have posited. What can Coleman give us instead? He's not sure. He doesn't buy the alien theory, no other signs of alien activity, and we guess he'd be the one to know. Although we are rather fond of that angle, if we're being honest. Lauren Coleman thinks the fairy ideas are fun enough, and he does like the mermaid, or, well, merperson theory. That actually comes by way of a writer named Mark Hall, who suggests a possible tie to some water-based crypto creatures. After all, the trail of sightings did fall along a waterline, something that Coleman and his friends discovered. At each of the places where the sightings happened, there was a creek or a culvert nearby. But for now, it seems Lauren Coleman, New England's premier cryptozoologist and coiner of the Dover demon name, is sticking with the answer, quote, biological specimen of unknown origin, aka a good old-fashioned cryptid, a creature that seems to exist, whether or not we have a good explanation for it. It's just definitely not a moose. We hope you'll join us next time for another real-life story from the fine print of America's local papers, from the lives of regular people just like you and me, except for one strange thing. Oh, and strangers. One Strange Thing is an entirely independent production. To support the show and hear more of the entirely true and enticingly peculiar, join us over on Patreon. There you'll get ad-free early releases of our regular episodes, full-length bonus episodes, live streams every month, and plenty of other fun content, all for $5 a month. We hope you'll check it out. There's a link in the show notes.